Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my very good friend and, of course, Batman himself, <laughs> Father Richard Heilman. <laughs> We've got a great guest tonight. Peter Herbeck's with us from Renewal Ministries. We're going to break the, this topic down. The judgments of God, they are here. And there is truth to that statement. This isn't clickbait. Peter's going to explain all that in great detail. But before we do that, of course, everything needs to begin with prayer. And Father, we know that's your department. Yeah, and I went to confession this morning. So this is prayer in a state of grace. Oh, all right. that's awesome. Nice. <laughs> all right. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Father. And thank you, all of you out there who support the U.S. Grace Force in every way, shape, and form. We're so thankful you are in our prayers. We thank you for your prayers. We thank you for your, your, your contributions to the Patreon program. Those who are interested, click the link in the description below. If you'd like to help us out financially, that is a tremendous blessing to us in this cancel culture that we live in. Getting these messages out is so critical and so essential. And every prayer, every, every hope that you, you give us by your, your encouragement and every donation you make is a tremendous help to us. So we thank you so much for all of that. Uh, also, don't forget to go to the U.S. Grace Force gear page. Check the link in the description below and get yourself some fantastic U.S. Grace Force T-shirts, hoodies. Uh, we got Got Gracie, you know, the dog Gracie, our mascot. We got those T-shirts as well. A lot of fun, but a lot of serious, important messages we want to get out to the world as well. You know, one of those messages we want to get out is what our good friend Peter Herbick is going to share with us tonight. Peter, I know you and I have known each other a long time. Just We've not done much together, but we've bumped into each other periodically down to EWTN or at a conference yeah. now and then. And you've been involved in Renewal Ministries for quite a while. And yeah. you're director of missions, I believe, and just a chief bottle washer and just a lot of great stuff. And I think you said, um, you know, friend of Jesus and a sinner at the beginning, which yeah. I best think way is, to describe me for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Sinner yeah. and friend of God. That's basically it. You know, sinner nice. and friend of God. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Uh, just if, if you could, for the audience sake, you know, let everybody know a little bit about yourself, where you come from and uh, and what you've been doing for the last, you know, decades with regards yeah. to evangelization. Yeah. So I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, I've been working, and my wife, Debbie, uh, and, and I have four kids. We have two boys, two girls. Uh, they're all out of the house. Three of them are married. We got 10 grandkids, another one on the way. Uh, six of the grandkids live in the area here, which is great. They're total therapy for me. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, and so in terms of work, I've been working closely with a good friend, Ralph Martin, and a whole team of people. You know, we do, uh, you know, weekly television show, Choices We Face on EWT, and I do a daily radio show, Fire on the Earth. We do lots of priest convocations, retreats, conferences, and stuff like that around the U.S. and Canada. And then we do what thing we call our missions side of things. And we do international missions and probably do like 30 to 40 of them each year in countries all around the world. We've done over a thousand of those since the Lord called us to do it back. And then about 30 years ago, we started it. And what we do is work with bishops, priests, lay people on the ground in countries in Africa, Asia, former, so you know, former Soviet Union, places like that working to really help ignite the fire of faith in those countries to help. We do leadership training formation. We do huge, you know, public, you know, Catholic crusade type things. We do lots of priest convocations in those parts of the world, really focusing on strengthening leadership. Mm 
mm. both getting clear about the gospel, clear about the mission, clear about, you know, life in the Holy Spirit, clear about and helping guys get free. You know, mm. human beings, we're all battling. We're in a real battle and we take hits and even priests and leaders take hits and we do whatever we can to help them get free and to yeah. just be the men God's called them to be and the leaders God's called them to be. So that's some of what we do. And I, I think you're, you're a perfect guest for this, especially during Holy Week as this, uh, this episode is airing. Um, and Father's in the, we're in the middle of this 90 Days to Freedom, calling on the Holy Spirit, which ends on Pentecost. And it's really getting free and it's strengthening. It's, it's rallying the troops and it's increasing. The, we're trying to increase the ranks uh, to get more people involved and really calling on that connection with the Holy Spirit. Um, before we get into this, the judgments of God, they are here. And you've got a great piece to read and break down for us from a great saint years ago. Um, but can you explain a bit about the importance right now, why every individual out there should be looking to, especially in the times that we're in with so many red flags out there, if you will, why we should be looking to the Holy Spirit and just getting on our knees. Just, you know, my, my prayer is, I just want to hear you, Lord. Let me hear you. How yeah. do you want to ignite and fire me up? Where do you want me to turn? Where do you want to put my feet on the battlefield? Why is that so important for us in, in today's world? to really engage in that dialogue, that deep dialogue with the Holy Spirit, to be set on fire. No, it's so good. Actually, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I just wrote a booklet called Receiving Fire. And it's oh, just nice. in a plain sort of straight language, you know, common sense language I could put it in. Talk about yeah, what it's does easy it mean? to digest. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. The, the size. Yeah, I, I wrote a book Yeah, it's too, tiny. The, it's a yeah, tiny but, little booklet, you know? And the whole point of it is to say, is to put us in touch with what the catechism calls really the permanent outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the permanent Pentecost. We live as Catholics, Christians in an open heaven, you might call it. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that is that what? Since Jesus Christ destroyed death, restored life, resurrected from the dead, which we're going to celebrate here in Easter, and he ascended in, in his body. You know, he took human flesh into the glorious presence of God, the Father, the burning love for all eternity between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the glory of God, which guess what? We were made for glory, but we fell from glory, right? Mm. And Jesus came to raise us to glory. And the glory is to come into the consuming fire of God's power and love. And Jesus completed his mission at the right hand of the Father in, in uh, pouring out the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we know we're going to see it, guys, so clearly over this week. We're going to see that band of brothers that Jesus gathered around him, who we love and admire, the great saints, Peter and John and the others, their, their, their weakness. Mm. We're going to see betrayal. Right. We're going to see fear. Mm. We're going to see confusion. And Jesus knew exactly who he chose. And they needed to experience that. You know, my name is Peter, and I always enjoy, Father was giving me a hard time even earlier, you know, carrying that name to say, you know, Peter, when Jesus said to uh, them that tonight they, people would betray him, and Peter leans in to the Lord and says, you know, I get it with these other 11. Yeah, right. I mean, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. Right, right. But not me. Not yeah. me. I am your man. I am yeah. your man. <laughs> And then, and then Jesus just, you got to get, imagine the moment Jesus looking into Peter's eyes saying, no, Peter, tonight, actually yeah. three, three times, you're yeah. going to deny you even knew me. And then Peter doubled down. He doubled down and said, Lord, I would die for you. Yeah. I will. And in Jesus mind, he, he knew, I know you're going to die for me, but not tonight, Peter, because you're going to experience the fear that's in you. 
and the, and the, and the intensity of spiritual combat. But the day's coming. They told him, when you will receive power from me, the power, yes. the, the Holy Spirit that will raise Jesus from the dead is poured out on us. And Peter was transformed. The apostles were transformed. They all were martyred except John, you know, yep. and, and they knew it and they weren't afraid of it. Right. You know, so, so it's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you can't, you know, what I'm calling you to, you cannot do on your own strength. He knows that. So we should just come to terms with that, accept that. He said, but I'm going to give you my strength. And if you lean into it, if you open your heart to it, you abide in it, you talk to me, you, you, you listen to my word, you receive the sacraments, confess your sins, gather with other brothers. And if you lean into me and cry out to me, I will empower you to extend my kingdom yeah. in the midst of a broken world and right in the face of the enemy. We have nothing to fear because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So, Peter, you were talking uh, before the show started, and I can't wait for you to share this with with everybody else. And and by the way, I reiterate what uh, Doug says. It's so exciting to have you on mm. with us uh, on the show. But um, but I, I but before we get into it, uh, I just want to insert what I believe, and I think I know it's what you two believe too, is that uh, we're we're suffering through the time that is so much like. This Holy Week that we're about going th through right now, and yeah. and what's going on? You know, you just said Peter, hey, I'll die for you. I'll, you know, but then when the tyrants, okay, when the oppressors come, they do the bum rush. Uh, he's gone, okay. He he doesn't stick with our Lord, and he does deny him three times, and all the boys take off running, right? And and, uh, and why? Well, we find out later, don't we? Because as you just said, they receive a power. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. Now, with that power, they go out and they stand against all those who are abusing, you know, the, the flock, uh, the evil that has surged in their time. They stand against that with the fire of their love, uh, with the truth that they hold. And, and, and they push back on it, and they're willing to die for it. And yes, everybody but John ends up dying for that. The courage that they received through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, I think we're right now in, in our times, in that period that we're going to read about and reflect on in this Holy Week period prior to Pentecost, right? Where they didn't have a power. And this, and, and this is where I'm going with this, is that I believe that, that what we're facing right now is the loss of a sense of the supernatural. Mm -hmm. the, I was lost the sense of the power of God. Uh, in so many ways, I lament at our church right now. It looks so much like a corporation. Um, and, you know, where are we heralding this power of the Holy Spirit? Uh, it's just, you're just not seeing it. I, I wish we were doing more with reviving the Eucharist, uh, 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 Eucharist revival. I, I, I pray, I think it's coming. Uh, but why? Because they need to receive the gift of awe and wonder, the gift of fear of the Lord, mm -hmm. where they just break open their hearts and say, bring it all in. Let it rush into my heart. That power that they received in that upper room on Pentecost. So mm -hmm. I think God has, has tried everything. And I, I'd love for you to explain that to us because... Uh, this is so exciting. Everybody, please listen to this. But you were telling us about, um, well, go ahead. It was, uh, I think it was the 13th century, 14th century. 
Um, yeah, about the judgments. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, just before I say that, you know, one of the things I just I know a lot of lots of men watch this show, and I think when we go through a week like this one, and we go through Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and the rest of it, it's easy for men to think like, yeah, I'm just not made of the same stuff the saints right. are made out of. You know what I mean? I'm just not. I'm not that sophisticated of a guy spiritually. I, you know, I, I, I fall, I'm a weak guy in different ways. You know, I know I have yeah. some gifts and things like that, but man, I just don't see myself that right. look this, the one thing the Lord wants us to take to not miss in those first couple of days here, Holy Thursday and the rest is God's power is made perfect in weakness. Yes. Right. There is not a, no one comes out of the womb, a Superman saint. Some yeah. people have more natural gifts. Doesn't matter. Right. Okay. God's power is on your life. You are baptized and confirmed into Christ. And we're living at a time of great spiritual combat. But what's great is the Lord is stirring and he's awakening an awareness that the answer isn't more, you know, more books, more degrees, more money, right. more this. Mm. No, it's an awakening look, to our fundamental identity. Look who Christ who chose as apostles. Yeah. Look yeah. who he chose as apostles. These weren't yeah. PhDs from Yale. These are they were uneducated men. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you'll see in the Acts of the Apostles, all the Sanhedrin, who they were all afraid of, you know, yeah. two months earlier, a month earlier. Now Peter's standing there and he's incredibly anointed, but it's God in him. And Jesus said, yes. I will give you the words to speak. And Peter's experiencing yeah. it. And all these high-end authorities go like, who are these guys? These are uneducated men. Yeah. Where did they right. get this from? It's yeah, from I the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I often think about the guys that would have known them, you know, the friends, the neighbors who had to be thinking at times, yeah. wait, what in the world Whoa. happened? Yeah. You know, just last week you were yeah. okay, and now you're this, you know? Yeah. The this guy smells like fish. He's a them. fisherman. You know, these guys are like ordinary dudes, and now they're standing in right. front of the high Sanhedrin, the, yeah. the you know, the authority of the people of Israel yeah, right. in the temple, yeah. you know? It's God. It's God's transformation. So what yeah. we need, you guys, is big faith in a big God. Yes. Not a little bitty God and all oh, the world is so big and scary and the devil's so strong yeah. and I'm so weak. I stumble and fall. I got a right. bad history. I had a lousy upbringing. Forget it all. Forget right. all that. You right. have a big God who has won the ultimate victory. God placed you here at this time, at this place, and he's going to use you if you let him. He said, if you abide in me, he said, love me, talk to me, pray, and do your best to follow me, right? And then and then, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. Why? Because I chose you for it. Right. So I'm going to let your life glorify my Father in heaven if yeah. you just trust me. Yes. Trust me, trust me, trust me, and go for it. You know? Yeah, I like, and I like what you said, Peter. I want to emphasize this too before we move on to the, you know, getting to this part about the judgments and all, which is an amazing piece that you were reading to us before. I want to break that down, but it's not about more programs. It's not about more de degrees or, or in, you know, a higher intellect and so forth. It's I, I just I love the term to have a deep dialogue with God. Yeah. Deep. I mean, what does that mean? A deep dialogue, Peter? What are we talking about? And yeah. how does the it's average know, individual? Know, how does any all, How do any of us find that? Yeah, it's to know, first of all, it's to, it's, it's to um, take, take up the word of God mm. and know, like Pope Benedict actually said in 2005, this stuck with me, he said the secret to a new spiritual springtime in the church 
is the daily reading of the word of God. Yes. He said, this word of God is a love letter directly from God to the human heart written by the Holy Spirit. And it's the, it's the content of the dialogue. It's the And there's a real power in the word of God. Oh, I mean, it changes my your, life. Your, your, your heart, your brain, your soul just starts going like this. Yeah, when, it renews when your you, mind. When you lock into the word of God. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's just in simple ways, a book, you know, and in just simple ways. And so, and then I wrote a book a couple of years ago called the promises of God. So, so abiding in God just means little simple conversations from your heart every day, beginning your day with prayer. Lord, thank you. Lord, I'm a weak and broken man, but I know you love me and I know you're working in me today and help me be attentive to you. Help me love my neighbor. Help me you know, do what you're asking me to help me see what you want me to see today and just right. talk to him during the day. You know, in simple ways, and then learn what he's promised for your life. I'm with you always to the end of the age. You don't have to be afraid of anything. And then live and lean into the promises of God. This, this is, you can take it to the bank. It's absolute security, like these things. You can count on them for your life, you know? Hmm. I learned this when I was a 20-year-old. I, you know, I came to the Lord, like, I grew up Catholic, but I came alive more because I didn't pay attention growing up. Came alive more when I was in my late teens. And then a guy told me, you know, just... Every day, read a little bit of the Bible, like go to the Gospels and read a little bit, you know, and I started doing that in my dorm. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, it, was, it took a little bit to kind of get used to it. It wasn't complicated. It was simple. And one day I was reading Matthew 6, where it says, uh, don't be, you know, don't be anxious about anything, what you're going to eat, what you're, I'm thinking, like, everybody's anxious about everything. How is that even possible? Is this hyperbole? Like, don't be anxious about anything. And then he said, you know, but instead seek first the kingdom of God and his way of holiness, and everything will be added to you. To me, oh, here's a practical thing. Seek, seek, seek mm -hmm. him. And then I felt like this passage was like the first time in my life, because people say, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just like say, pay attention to that, you know, and you'll feel it in your heart. And I felt like the Lord said to me, I was 20. Peter, if you make this your life purpose, I promise you, I will make something beautiful out of your life because I'm a faithful God. I demonstrate my faithfulness. And man, I was a 20-year-old struggling with all the stuff 20-year-olds struggle with at the time. And that literally has been like the life passage for my life. So, so it's that's a promise. The Lord says, if you seek me first, that is lean into me and, and be um, to really come after me. What do you want from me, Lord? What kind of life do you want me to live? How can I please you, Lord? He said, if that's your heart, um, he's going to fulfill it in you. And I, I'm 64 now, I'm 65. Mm. In June, I'm telling you, it's it's the hey, best that's me. thing. And it's all true. You know, I'm 64. I'm going to be 65 in June. Hey! High five. Way to go, Padre. <laughs> hey, Father. Wait, Father, on that point, is it true that your birthday is, is it on the birthday of a, of a great saint? Uh John the Baptist. Oh, that's right. And then, yeah. uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, last year, Roe v. Wade was overturned on my birthday. Was it really? Yeah. I don't yeah, remember I'm, you yeah. saying that on that any direct podcast. Well, John the Baptist's birthday, too. But, okay. uh, <laughs> so when is the beheading going to happen? <laughs> That'd be awesome. To me, it's either I want to die, like my mom died, 94, beautiful, saintly woman in her sleep. She mm. died in her sleep peacefully. Yeah. I want either to go that way or I want a bullet, one or the other. You know, it's like... You know, yeah. just to be able to die. I'm trying to be amazing. like John the Beloved in every way I can, including how he died. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, so you asked yeah. me. I'm sorry. I kind of got long winded there. Excuse me. Jump in anytime, Doug. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I get, let me cut you off. And I love. I love this kind of conversation where just you know everybody's fired yeah. up and getting rolling on this. 
Okay, again, that deep dialogue piece, because I, I, this is something like I, I was out today, you know, I'm, I'm driving down the road, I stop in the Blessed Sacrament. I, I've made this a habit, and I want to encourage this again. I want to say this every time I get a chance. People, stop in, make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, even if it's for five minutes. If you can do an hour of adoration, that's awesome. But if you can do five minutes, like every day or every other day, if you can do 20 minutes, I mean, just do it more frequently. Yeah. And I just go in there, the church is empty. I sit down, I you know, genuflect, I sit down and I just say, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to know deep, more deeply who you are and what you want for me to conform me and transform me and such. And then I just try to sit in peace. Now that's my method I'm, I'm working on and, and you know, other prayerful ways I'm trying to address yeah. that. But, but again, Peter, there are guys out there, men and women alike, who are hearing this and they're thinking, okay, Peter, you're all fired up. And that sounds great. You've got something. I want that too. You know, can, it, can you run through even a couple of thoughts of what they should do in their living room? Like I have a picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the big one, you know, above the mantle that you know, the eyes kind of follow you around the room. Yeah, and yeah. the one painted at the monastery, famous. He looks like he's smiling or frowning, depending on how you behave that day. Yeah. You know, it's that one. Um and I just sometimes will just sit there. And even if I'm watching news or sports or something, I get caught up every now and then in a moment or two where I'm just looking at that image and I'm just saying, Lord, you know, let me hear you. Yeah. I just, you know, let me, let me come in deeper to this moment in your sacred heart. Yeah. Now, those little moments help me. And I, 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 I found little ways that I'm constantly yeah. trying to find that deeper dialogue. What advice do you give to, again, the average John and Jane out there who are just trying maybe they're just getting started or maybe they've been doing it for a long time or they're going through some sort of spiritual desert right now yeah what yeah. advice do you give for you them know, having, those a, having it's got to, you say it having a little prayer space in your house whether it's a chair in your office wherever it is mm -hmm. put put an icon there put a crucifix there whatever i've got an icon my favorite one of my favorites is the ponto crotter which means you guys listen it just it's an icon of the victorious christ the one the king of glory you know mm. and and i i just love and, and i I took a cue from the, uh, I take the, a cue from the, uh, the, uh, the children of Fatima, since they were directly instructed by an angel, when the angel of, of um, you know, where, where were they where in, uh, what's the country it was in? Fatima. Yeah, the, the, uh, the angel came and appeared to the children and said, here, I want to teach you. The Lord sent me to teach you how to receive him and how to posture yourself. So he taught them to kneel down and put their forehead on the ground mm. and to say, Father, I believe in you, I adore you, I hope in you, and I love you. The angel said, say it three times to the Lord when you begin your prayer. I thought, hey, if it's good enough, I mean, if an angel came and taught him, I'm going for it, you know <laughs> what I mean? And it's yeah. just a simple way to gently, quietly posture yourself before the Lord like that, and just talk from your heart and say, Lord, I love you, or Lord, look, i I'm kind of scared or I'm kind of frightened, but I know you're here. Lord, I want to see what you see. I want to feel what you feel. I want you to teach me. And I'm going to work at trying to hear you, you know, and I'm going to try to hear you in your word. I'm going to start reading the scripture a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to try to hear you as I meditate on your life, as I'm praying the rosary, you know, teach me what it was like, Lord, you know, on the rosary, instead of just whipping through it, Sometimes I don't even get through it. You know what I mean? You mm. stop at a particular meditation and Jesus, Jesus, what was it like when you were flogged and they were tearing the skin off your body and you were basically alone at those times? What was that like, Lord? You know? And then if you just sit quiet, because you'll feel like all of a sudden something might grab you, just sit quiet. Yeah. 
And just simple little words. The Lord is not a gab. He doesn't gab. He just little, little quiet whispers. He'll tell you. And he wants to, he's giving you the Holy Spirit to teach you, to instruct you. You have the Holy Spirit. And he's very clear. He told the apostles, actually, the night before, when, when all hit the fan, he said, you know, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to, he's going to counsel you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to help you. He's going to empower you. He's going to reveal me to you. Those are all promises that I remind the Lord of regularly. I said, Lord, you know, I know he's shown me more, but show me more. Mm. Can, I, can I know more, Lord? I need to know more, you know? And it's simple. And then the word of God is a living word. It's alive. And so, like, pick up John's gospel. I just read the other night, a John, first chapter, or excuse me, the John's letter, one John. It's very short. I, and, I, and I just felt prompted to read it. And I've read it many times. And I read the whole thing. And it only takes 15 minutes to read it. But there was stuff that jumped out of there that I that I never quite caught before. So the Lord's alive. And so part of it, brothers, is really, those who are listening, um, brothers and sisters, part of it is believing what the Lord says about you. You know, what is God's narrative about you? The superior storyline of your life instead of the negative one the devil gives us all the time that we end up getting out of bed in the morning. And some of the first stuff we listen to is all that garbage in our head and we get discouraged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and despairing and i never measure up and it bah, bah, bah. no look god loves you the way god loves god doesn't that sound strange you know how i know that because the bible said it in john 15 jesus said as the father loves me that's how i love you mm. and then in john 17 he says the father as the father loves me that's how he loves you god loves you for all eternity right so the devil just wants you to back away in a little bit of shame, a little bit of discouragement, a little bit of laziness. You know, if you're like me, a little bit of laziness, stuff like that at times. He wants to draw you back from a confident engagement. Yeah. You, you know, you know, Peter, you, you, so I got to say something real quick on this is, you know, I, we had father uh, Mike Leitner on, we've had him on a couple of times as guests. And at one point he talked about looking in the mirror and it made me think, you know, I, and I forget exactly what he brought up when he was talking about, we look in the mirror and you just look at yourself and accept yourself for what you see, because that's how yeah. God accepts you. Yeah. Because I would always say you, everybody looks in the mirror, especially, you know, the teenage and college life, but even as we get older and you always find something wrong with what you see too yeah. tall, too short, too heavy, too thin, hair's too thick, hair's too curly, whatever yeah. it might be. And it's so easy to constantly find problems with yourself and that's got to be the enemy whispering because that's not the holy spirit saying look in the mirror and see how bad and wrong and terrible and misshaped and whatever you're ugly and you're this and you're, that cannot be god now that doesn't mean god doesn't want us to continue to work on the weaknesses and let his grace transform but does it make sense to you because i heard this advice from a priest years ago don't beat yourself up over your humanity you yeah. know, recognize that, yes, there are issues and struggles. We all have them, but understand and that God embraces you in this kind of love. Can you comment on that about don't beat yourself up over? Yeah, I was thinking of, I was think, thinking of a good priest friend of mine. I knew him for years and then he became a priest. We actually lived together and then uh, I go to confession to him, you know, an old buddy. And uh, I remember one time I was feeling particularly bad about the sins I was confessing. And he said, Peter, let me clue you in on something. You know, he said, one thing you'll never hear from Jesus, Peter, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? He said, it, it's just never going to come from him. He knows your frame. He knows your frame. And he loves yeah. you. His heart toward you is merciful. Here's one of the things that sometimes people don't get that I got help with and it helped me a lot. 
when because you have feelings about yourself, you have ideas about yourself, you say, okay, Lord, you know, change me now. Or Lord, you know, um, you know, I'm just gonna wait until my feelings change. You say, no, what you need to do is to begin with what, what does God say about who I am? Who does God say I am? What do I mean? And it's all over the New Testament, like 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. I memorized it because it was so helpful for me. It says, you know, Paul says he's writing a letter to this, these persecuted Christians, you know, in a difficult situation. And, uh, and he said, he calls them, you're God's beloved, you're chosen, you're saved, you're sanctified by the truth of God's word so that you can share in my glory for all eternity. So that's who I am. I'm, 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 I'm the beloved son of God. Okay, I may not feel it, but I'm going to say it. And I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again. I'm chosen personally by the Lord. Jesus said in John 15, we'll hear it this week probably, you have not chosen me, I've chosen you. Mm -hmm. The fact that you have faith, brothers, the fact that you believe, brothers and sisters listening, is because God chose you. The Father revealed this to you, and he's pursuing you, right? You're chosen, you're destined, and he's sanctified. He made you holy in your baptism. He set you apart. He dealt with the sin problem, the death problem. You, you were the cross of Jesus, his blood washed over you, and he made you a child of God because he loves you, you know? And so say these things out loud. Yeah. yeah. And then for, be careful of the world that says, wait a minute. You're not a, you're not the goat, man. Who are you? Look at, you're not Tom Brady. You're not a wall street dude. You don't have a beautiful boat. You don't have this. You don't have that. You're a schlep. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. You, and just kind of feel like you got nothing and say, no, no, no. I know. And think about this, this on good Friday, guys, from that cross, Jesus is telling us what he said uh, was it in Matthew or Luke where he said, he asked the guy about the commandments and the guy said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, your neighbors, yourself. Jesus said, this is the first and the greatest thing. Then what does this man do? What does the Lord do? He dies on a cross. You know what it says in Philippians 2? It says he humbled himself by becoming obedient even unto death. And in, the, in heaven, the love language is the love language of God is obedience to his commandments. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to love those commandments and to do it. And that's what he crowns. Jesus was exalted. It says, therefore, God has exalted him. And Jesus is telling us, brothers, this is the, he's the goat, okay? Not Tom Brady. You know, I love all that fun talk about sports and all it's fun. Yeah. Who's the best? But Jesus is the one who defines greatness. And the amazing thing is, anybody can get there if they say yes to Jesus. Yes. He wants to crown you and exalt you yep. and, and live a fulfilled life. So don't let, you know, all those lies that just grinds us down and you just yeah. kind of get paralyzed and, you know, I mean, forget it. You have an epic life. You right. literally do. And you for the audience life. members, for the audience members that don't know what you mean by goat, we're not talking about the animal. It, it is a term used that it's an acronym greatest of all time. So when People may be thinking, he's calling oh, yeah, Jesus sorry. a goat. No, he's the greatest <laughs> of all time. That's yeah. the idea behind that. So yeah, just yeah, so yeah, because we, we're made for greatness and we're yeah. captivated yes. by people who've done great things and that's okay. Yeah. But Jesus defines greatness. Don't right. ever forget that. Yeah. So Peter, humble, that's why the Sermon on the Mount is there and other things. He defines greatness mm -hmm. and that's what will be exalted and crowned and celebrated for all eternity. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Peter, let's get into okay, this. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Let's That's, get into this is, uh, I, this is so cool. 
Um, so you're saying that we've uh, we've gone through a time of mercy. I, I'm just going to end there. You you take it from there. Okay. But help so, us to understand. Well, so how do we? You know, on. one of the one of the things the recent popes, uh, Pope John Paul II, was my hero. I love him so much. And one of the things he said is the one of the fundamental vocations of the pope is to read the signs of the times right. and interpret what the spirit is saying to the church. Right. Mm. And he worked very hard at that. And I listened to him and it helped me a lot. And one of the things he said is we're entering the final confrontation between the gospel and the anti-gospel, the church yep. and the yep. anti-church between Christ and the antichrist. Yep. He said, this battle lies within the plans of divine providence. And he said, now it's time for the whole church for every man and woman now to enter into this battle. So that's Amen. what God does. He, he gives us sneak previews of coming attractions through prophetic people in the church. And when the vicar of Christ speaks like that, a holy man like, like John Paul II, right. it's good to hear. Benedict right. XVI said this. He said, in vast areas of the world today, the faith is in danger of dying out like a flame which no longer has fuel. Yep. He said, what we're seeing is that humanity is pushing God from the human horizon. And when the light which comes from God is pushed away, darkness begins to settle in on the human mind and the human culture and life. And he said, as a result, humanity is losing its bearings yep. with increasingly evident and destructive effects. Now tell me, folks, if that isn't like a, a laser shot clarity I mean, humanity is losing hold of the most fundamental realities possible. What's a man? We've got politicians in the and you know a Supreme Court candidate who's supposed to be you know top of the food chain, so to speak. And during the uh, you know her questioning before she was appointed, said, "What's a woman?" And here's a woman who's being celebrated because she's a woman. And it's so ironic. She was being <laughs> celebrated because she was a female Supreme Court justice and yeah. the first a black female, if I have it right, do I have that right? But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was being celebrated for that. And she goes, I, I don't, I don't know. What a, what yeah. a, I don't know how to answer that question. I can't answer that. I was like, yeah. what, what? I mean, this is stuff that's absolutely undeniable. And it's right. everyone knows it, right? And so you see what we're living through, brothers, at one level is, is Romans chapter 1. Paul says, beginning in verse 18, this is worth meditating on this whole, 18 to 32 or 36, he says this, the wrath of God is coming against those who in their, basically in their rebellion, refuse to acknowledge God and to give him thanks. They suppressed, instead of acknowledging God, so that is having a heart of thanksgiving toward a creator, he said, human beings, because of the fallen heart, the fallen flesh, the darkened mind, suppress the truth about God and refuse to acknowledge him, which means acknowledging his authority, acknowledging the gift he's given to us, obeying his commandments. We don't want that, so we suppress the truth about God, right? And then Paul says, because God can be known, even in nature and creation, they are without excuse. They're responsible for this. And God calls them back. And as a result of their refusal to acknowledge God, and we're seeing this like no other time in the history of our country, it's mm. happening right now in a major way. So what do we know about that? It's a spiritual battle. 
right? right? And it's not something we should ever be afraid of. The Christ Christians are the only ones who should never fear spiritual combat because we understand with a biblical worldview and eternal perspective, Jesus said, this is going to be war until I come back. And don't be afraid. I'm with you. And he said, you know, you're going to have tribulation. We're having a little bit of tribulation now. And it's still only a little bit. Like we've done work in the former Soviet Union back in the 90s. We're doing, we've been in China. We can't get in right now, but we've gone to China for 20 years working with the persecuted church there. And brothers, we barely tasted it. We're starting to taste it. But the whole world has experienced this stuff. Not a majority of the world in many, many ways, you know. And Jesus said, listen to me, brothers. In this world, it's a fallen world. Yes, I created it, and it's good. But there's a fallen dimension of this. There's political, social, volitional, economic uh, forces that refuse to acknowledge God. And to the degree that you acknowledge me, they will come against you. And at times, it'll be intense. Other times, it won't be so intense. Mm -hmm. He said, so when these tribulations come, did he say, hunker down, get scared, you know, you know, find security and safety? He said, no. Be of good cheer because I've overcome it. You're only here for a brief moment anyway, right? Life is short. It's a passing shadow. Here's something we have to come to terms with. You're going to be dead soon. Okay. It's a fact. It's a biblical fact. Life is short. It's a passing shadow. But the great thing is you have hope. You know where your life is going and you know you're passing through and your mission as a Christian is to simply be faithful to the Lord. Be a faithful witness. Love him. And you stumble and fall, get back up 70 times, seven times a day. You can seek his forgiveness and just keep coming. And he's going to use you to give glory to him in a difficult time. Right. And we have to change our attitude. Our attitude is not like the apostles. And they had to change theirs too, because they were afraid of trial and persecution. St. Peter said in his first letter, he said, why are you surprised by the fiery ordeal that's going to come upon you? If you get persecuted, falsely accused, right, mistreated on my account, the glory of God, on the Lord's account, the glory of God comes upon you. It's a time of great gifting and glory, and he'll give you the strength to endure whatever comes. The vast majority of us aren't going to get martyred probably, right? But we're going to be tested, and we're being tested now. And, and the Lord is allowing our metal to be tested. So, this is what the Pope said. So my ear had been to the Popes, you know, on this stuff for some time. And then in 2016, I, Peter, I'm sorry, I, I just want to interrupt for just a second, because before you segue into the next part, because what you just said, I mean, and I run into this because with BRC, you know, Be Ready Coalition, we are doing work to try to help people be better prepared spiritually Super. and physically. And the goal is to help people understand, you know, and, and Father, he's our, he's our unofficial chaplain and, and we're very, you know, synced up on this. How yeah. do we help people grow in, in strength spiritually? Because naturally we're going to be dealing with stuff. And it's amazing to find people who still live in normalcy bias mindset, whether it's concern for a natural disaster, a bigger war. I mean, the Ukraine war is bad enough, but we hear talk of World War III, China, Taiwan. Our blessed mother has prophesied this before in church approved apparitions. We know that it's out there, but there are people who still, as long as the grass is green, their kids playing baseball and they got a few dollars in the bank, they feel like, ah, this will never happen. There's a normalcy bias. And I think that's the same for what you just talked about with regards to persecution against Christians. Yeah, no doubt about it. And they're just thinking, oh, no, it'll never do that. We'll never get to that, that, that level of coliseums and all this sort of thing again. I mean, but I think what you just laid out is what Jesus says. And it's in the catechism that the life of a Christian on earth is warfare. Yeah. I mean, that's in the catechism. Life yeah. of a Christian is warfare. 
It's in the Bible too. I mean, it's in, that's where the catechism gets it from. Yeah, you know it draws it from there. there. Correct. Yeah, right? yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So we know he did that. And we know the ultimate battle, the, the, the war itself ultimately has been won. And now for his people, you know, we are in enemy occupied territory and we're meant to be witnesses. And he's very clear about how he wants us to live in these times. You know, mm -hmm. he wants us to be able to live as he did with, with, you know, uh, he said, be poor in spirit to be meek. Meek doesn't mean weak by any means. It's strength under control. Like right. Jesus did standing before Pilate. It's just obey the Lord in whatever circumstance he gives you, and he will help you if you're in a difficult circumstance you've never been in before. If you just calmly be still in your heart and listen to the Lord, he will show you what to do. He'll lead you what to say, and we need to trust that, you know? So anyway, should I do that Uganda thing, or do you want to Yes, please. Forward? Yeah, break that okay. down for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so anyway, we're, we're doing a mission. Um, I was with the Archbishop of Riga, Latvia, and I and a couple of people were giving a retreat to 350 priests and bishops from five East African countries. We did it in Kampala at the major seminary there. And I'd been there before, had done it before. But for some reason, I have, a, I have some sleep issues. I have sleep apnea like a lot of people do and stuff. And so sometimes when I travel, um, you know, you, gotta, you travel, you know, from Detroit all the way, you know, first over to Europe and then the, to Africa. And then you stay up when you're there, you know, so you can get your body on the right cycle, you mm -hmm. know. And so, but you wait and then you go to sleep at night, the regular time. And uh, so I didn't sleep maybe an hour on the way over on the flight. Then that first day I get there, I'm up the whole day and I'm trying to fall asleep. And I am just absolutely restless, self-condemning, confused, tired, like, like I never experienced quite like that before on a trip. Like, what the heck's going on with me? I was up all night that second night hmm. and I was heavy and I was, I was not peaceful and and then I thought, okay, tomorrow I'm going to tell some of the team members and I'll stay up. And I'm gonna, I brought an Ambien along, so I'll take an Ambien to help me sleep. And I slept like an hour the next night. Same stuff. Mm -hmm. Two nights in a row. That's never happened to me before like that. And I'm just discouraged. And I'm like hearing like not voices, but inside it's like, what's the point of this? What are you doing here anyway? What do you have to give? Stuff like that. And it was, I just felt beat down, you know? And finally, I went to some of our team members. She goes, I, I'm getting hassled somehow. So we sat down and went through Unbound. It kind of just led me through, reflect on some things in, you know, you do, is there anything you need to confess? Is there anything you need to kind of work in through some things? And then bottom line was some people prayed with me and I, and I just felt this relief. So I go right after this prayer, went to mass with all the priests. I'm feeling peaceful. I really felt something lift from me. And this is very interesting. I felt like I had a full night's sleep after that prayer. I'm not joking. Hmm. So that was very interesting. And, and part of what was discerned was like, there's a, a tormenting spirit that's really ha trying to hassle you. So don't let them hassle you, you know, and, uh, and got some help. So I went to mass and I was so grateful, went to communion. I came down, I'm sitting there next to the bishop and, and I'm just praying, I said, Lord, thank you so much. And then I felt like in my heart, the Lord said, get out your journal. And I always have a journal, my journal with me. And I thought, you know, he's get out your pen. I thought he's, he's going to say, you know, I still like you, son. You're a good guy. You know, something encouraging like that. And all of a sudden, as soon as I got it out, I felt the fear of the Lord come on me. And that's happened like twice in my life. And the fear of the Lord is a beautiful thing. It's a sense of his holy presence. And there's a purity to it. There's an awesomeness to it. There's a, and, and in, a, in a, like a split second, I felt like he said, Peter, um, I'm rising from my throne. 
I'm coming to re deliver my church from uh, spiritual strongholds that are binding her. I alone can do it. You're going to see an escalation. It's going to come fast and strong of rage, uh, uh, rage, apostasy. What is it? Was it chaos, apostasy, rage, and confusion? That's what I wrote down. Chaos, apostasy, rage, and confusion. You're going to see it. And, I, and, and you're going to see it surface in the church, but you're going to really see it surface in the world. I'm going to empty before the, my, the eyes of my bride. I'm going to empty the idols of the world. I'm going to expose the idols of the world that many in the church are running after and are clinging to for hope. And I'm going to empty them. And I felt like the Lord was going to say, your politicians are going to, you're going to see it all over, you know? And then... um. I felt like uh, the Lord said to me, this was like a little personal thing. And I, uh, I just felt like the Lord said, I'm the captain of the armies of heaven, Peter. I want you to stay in your lane. I've called every one of my disciples and I've given every one of my disciples an assignment. Not everybody's got the same assignment. Are you a husband? Are you a father? You're running a business? Do you have responsibility for people? Where's God placed you? Mm. That's what I felt like he said. I'm the captain of the armies of heaven. You don't see everything, Peter. And I felt like he said, he's playing on 10,000 chessboards at one time. I felt like he said to me, I'm like learning checkers in this whole world, you know, of stuff. And, and he said, but I'm entrusting something to you and I'm expecting you to do it, you know? And, uh, and it was like, it's hard to describe how, how much con conviction I had about it. And then he said, go forth, Peter, and convince, rebuke, exhort, encourage, lift up, you know, like just be on because it's happening, you know, mm. and he knows how weak I am. He just showed me like 48 hours, you know, 72 hours before mm. I couldn't sleep at night. I was, I was like, what am I even doing here? You know, and I was giving into thoughts in my mind, but it was a particular battle I had to go through, I guess. And, um, but I felt my weakness. I truly did, you know, and then, um. So then it, it really struck me like this really is a time God is coming to discipline the church and his judgments are coming on the nations. I really felt that. And so what does that mean? Discipline the church. Like it says in Hebrews chapter 12, very important passage to just reflect on. Um, it says, God disciplines those whom he loves, mm -hmm. right? His children. He said, if he didn't discipline you, you would not be a child, you'd be an orphan. Mm. And he said, when the discipline is there to, to redirect us, it's difficult for a time. But if you stay with it and trust the discipline of the Lord, you will come into a peaceful fruit of righteousness, it says. That's what the Lord wants to bring to his church. Part of the reason there's so much panic and fear and confusion in the church is because people are not resting in their heart in the Lord. There's a lot of worldliness in the church. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of it, you know, a compromise. You can't live in the twilight. You know, you can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. A lot of people are like, look, what I really want is the world, but I'm going to buy a little fire insurance just in case this <laughs> is all true. Like in, there really is a judgment. If the, it is in a, there's a heaven and a hell, I want to buy a little father. Tell me how many times do I have to go to mass or how many times do I have to go to confession in a year? Yeah. It's a kind of minimalism. You will never survive in minimalistic Christianity. You were made to go all in, and the Lord helps us do that. So, so the that's one thing. That's the discipline of the Lord that comes on His church that He loves when she she needs to be purified and strengthened. 
Peter, can, let me, can I interrupt real quick? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so before we got going, you were reading from um, a theologian from the 13th oh, yeah. century or something. And yeah, you yeah. told us that there, there's there's a period with that what what God usually does. There's a period of mercy, but then something else happens. And it oh, really yeah, got to the title of, of our of our episode today. And I'm hoping before we're done here that we could we could really delve into that. Yeah, you know, because I think it goes with what you just got done saying here. Uh, this word that yeah. you received. No, I thank thank you. I was just about to do that because at the end of Hebrews twelve, it says God will shake the nations. Mm. When He shakes the nations, He shakes them to wake them up to see that what they're clinging to is shakable, right? And mm. that they should cling to what is <clears throat> unshakable. So that's the basic approach. So then I I came across this homily by Saint Bernardino of Siena. That's who's it. like. 1440 or something like that. He came at a time of reviving the Franciscans. He was a incredibly considered the he was considered the greatest preacher of his time, not just in the sin with the Franciscans. There's a lot written about his life. I just never paid attention to it. But there he wrote in the homily he gave, he said that God's judgments appear in history at different times for different reasons. And when God's judgments come, he's kind of echoing like uh, Isaiah. The prophet said, when God's judgments are in the land, men learn righteousness. And he says, so what does God do? Before God's judgments and disciplines come, he pours out his Holy Spirit. There's a season, can be decades long, of God's mercy calling us back, like with honey, so to speak. So think about the last hundred years. Think about all the Marian apparitions yeah. and all the heavenly help that's been coming from Our Lady. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Think about the divine mercy that's yeah. gone global, right? Think about um, St. Maximilian Kolbe and his ministry, yeah. you know, and all that's all the lives that that's touched. Think about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, in the renewal movements in the church that, that have been validated by the church, you know, and the real awakening that's happened to tens of millions of people had their hearts set on fire and loving God. So this is God's mercy. But then if people insist, on, as Pope Benedict said, pushing away the light that comes from God, God then allows us to experience the consequences of what people are actually choosing. And here's what he does. Here's what at least Bernardino of Siena said. He said that first, um, he said a time of mercy comes, it's what I just described. And then he goes and he says, then God prepares the punishment for impenitent sinners, the people who insist on staying in sin, not because he's mad storming around in heaven, God is love, but his love either is transformational and grace, you experience it, or if you resist it, you'll experience it as his judgment to wake you up right. and to bring you in line so you don't die in your sin. Right. That's why he does it. He and it says, you up. And then when the offense is complete, then the Lord starts acting. And one of the things he does, one of the first things he does is he takes away people's guides and the first he said he draws back the angels that are over nations protecting nations when nations refuse when huge numbers of people and nations refuse to follow him so think about the fatima story the angel of portugal came to the children we literally have there's principalities and powers there's dark powers demonic forces that, that we battle against and there's angels that are over us and protect us. But if we refuse their protection, at a certain point, the Lord says, 
We have to give them what they want. So they experience the consequences. Maybe that will wake them up. So that's the first thing. And then um, even guides like political guides, it says virtuous leaders then uh, are either drawn back or unvirtuous leadership begins to emerge. Right. You think about the kind of leadership that we've seen in our country. Right. The rise of crime and disorder. Yep. And yeah. where know, are the virtuous leaders, the spiritual leaders? Where yeah. are our guides? Yeah. No, you're punished if yeah. you dare try to help people to stay in the truth. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. it's. And I mean, imagine here we have a Catholic president who, you know, a president who says he's a really great practicing Catholic and he's, he's pushing the most radical abortion, yeah. uh, you know, approach ever. And he's, and he's also saying that. And you can hardly people, hear a peep from our spiritual guides because they're afraid of the, uh, the, the, the radical mob that is persecuting anybody yeah. who dares speaks up against their new religion. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the dogma so, of their new religion that, that yeah. this president is heralding. Yeah, no question yeah. about it. And the, the so then what we're seeing is that very thing. We're being ruled by, the, can you believe how much lying and deception is going on yeah. in the media, in politics? It's shocking. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. it's, I mean, it shouldn't be. We're fallen human beings. And, you know, every civilization that's ever existed has collapsed, you know. And it's, I mean, the United States of America isn't going to live forever as a country. It's not, right? So we we hope for the best. We're going to stand and be witnesses. But the fact that human beings are turning away from wisdom and from God should not surprise us, right? So then the second thing he says about that is then he then takes away the light of truth. Yeah. Jesus yeah. said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. And the light of truth, what is truth? I had this, this quote from Joseph Pieper you know, he talks about um, what does it mean to be true? Everybody's being true to themselves. I got to be true to my feelings. I got to be true to who I am. And everybody has to accept it. Here's what he say, talks about in the same way. To be true means to be determined in speech and thought by what is real. By reality itself, right? And we have a responsibility as Christians to always speak the truth in love. We have a responsibility to do that. Yeah. And we can never, there's no truth without love and there is no love without the truth. So we must will the good of the other in order to love them. And if we're willing something that isn't true, we are not loving them. We're probably filled with insecurity, fear, and vanity, which causes us to want to be loved by, and, and have nothing harm us and have everybody like us. That's a real temptation for human beings. So To follow the, the crowd. Truth, to be a but, part of the crowd, the yeah. in crowd, yeah, the new religion, yeah, yeah, it's, and so that's a big deal. What's happening with truth and how much lies are coming out of the mouths of people? I think I was thinking of what Peter Kreef said to me years ago. We were having this conversation. He said, um, "You know, when it comes to we're talking about the removal of the natural natural law and stuff." And he goes, "You know, well, Peter, what's going to happen is." Human beings are going to have to make a choice. It's either you're either going to respond to your conscience, you're going to need a lot more cops. It's either conscience or cops, he said, because if you're not ruling your own passions through the grace of God in reason and will submitted to Him toward virtue, you're, the, the 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 people will fall apart, right? And they'll be slaves to sin. And what you need then is more external forces, right. you know, uh, to control people. 
And uh, so anyway, that, I find that so interesting. So number one, he said was guides are removed. Important virtuous guides are removed. Number two, the light of truth is removed. Yeah. And it's because people insist on it. And the Lord has to say in our freedom, okay, you insist on it, you live by it. You're rejecting my grace, right? And then yep. number three was he allows peoples to fall into the hands of their own devices and demons begin to have their way. Yep. <laughs> have their way. That's Think exactly about that, guys. what's going on right now. Think about the violence in our streets. Think about yep. the radical you know, that we need to and the kill spiritual right leaders to are breath. complying and appeasing. Yeah. yeah. Think about this. Our guides. Yeah. Think about this. Now I'm going to, I'm going to jump to just say something about the mass. Okay. What, what is, what is the, the theological understanding of the word cult? It's not the strangeness. That's another definition of cult, but it's what a people, it's a form of worship. What do people worship? Mm -hmm. You will become what you worship. You will do it. Right. So for us, the, the sacrifice of Jesus, that act of love by which the world alone can be saved, is constantly represented and it defines us. And then if we let it, we form a culture, a way of life. What we reward, what we celebrate, what we honor, what we're willing to die for. That's a culture, right? And that's what we had for many years. Yep. People respect God and the things of God. But... If we push that away, another culture will come. Yeah. We will start honoring, celebrating, and rewarding lying, perversion, cheating, getting ahead, yeah. a disordered. And what that is, it's because the guides are gone and the truth is yeah. gone. Yeah. And it and can get to this point. If you become a guide, and you'll be punished if you speak the truth. Yeah. Now, there, this one last thing, and then uh, on this is that. John, St. John Paul II talked about a culture of death, as did Benedict. Right. And, um, and, and a culture, again, is a way of life. You know it's a culture of death when death becomes the solution to the most intractable problems you face as a culture. Hmm. What do we do with unwanted babies? Death is the answer. And then we lie. We dress it up. No, this is, you know, this is my right. And this is the best thing for the child. You don't want a child to be born in an unwanted place. We're caring people. We're loving people. And it's a gigantic lie and deception. And we're killing human beings, the only truly eternally value, valuable, you know, beings on the earth. And then now, like in Canada, just north of us, and it's starting to happen here. Now the loving thing to do is to off your grandparents. You know, is, is, to, is to say, is for old people, to get the to learn it's their responsibility to not burden anybody and how can we handle your suffering how can we handle the weight of your discouragements in life the best thing for you is to kill yourself and you know what and we call that an act of love and people now pray at those things it's so crazy what are we doing there we are taking away god's prerogative god gives life and god takes it away you are pretending you're god right so this is this that you you come under, um, you know, Jesus came, he dispelled, he disarmed the principalities and powers, he destroyed the power of sin and death. Death is a disordered energy. People can either live in fear of it, or they can be free of that fear in the light of Christ, knowing that you have victory over death. The 
It's a power now that gets released. When people push away the light of God and the truth of God, you come under lies and deception, and a whole culture can fall. Bernardino Siena said a whole culture, a whole life can collapse into darkness if, if people don't turn back to the light. Right. Am I saying it's all going to collapse? I don't know. All I know is we're in a deep fight, and it's time for Christians, Catholics, to stand. Yep. Paul says in Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of this dark fallen world. Yep. And he says, stand, 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 putting on the armor of God, yep. wielding the sword of the spirit, the truth that's there. And this is a war that's already been won. And it's the only battle you'll ever fight on the earth where um, all you have to do to win is just don't quit. Mm. Live the faith. You don't have to go looking for a fight. You don't have to try to, it will, God will allow to come to you what you can handle. Right. He'll allow it to come. And readiness just means live with the Lord every day. Get to mass when you can. Make sure you're praying every day. Get to confession when you can. Pray the rosary. Gather with other brothers and sisters. Walk in humility and patience. And understand it is the destiny of every disciple. That is every baptized person, a disciple to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And who was Jesus? He was the faithful witness, right? That's one of his titles in the book of Revelation. He stood for the truth no matter what. And then he taught the disciples to do that and gave them the power to do it. And you have the power if you want to. You have one epic life to live. Now, if you trust the Lord, you will honor him, glorify him. He will be your strength. And little old you is going to do something great. Just witnessing whatever place that is that the Lord puts you to stand for the truth, right? When the time comes. But if you cower, if you look for comfort, if you look to secure your safety, if you're more worried about your, your, your pocketbook and everything else, you're going to probably not be able to stand because you're, you're living in fear and relying on your own strength. Let me end with this quote from a great priest. I can't remember his name right now. But he said this. It's a book from a book called, um, uh, where's the title of it? I'll think about it later. But anyway, it's beautifully put. He said, for every believer, the centrality of witness is a central part of our call. Even in the little neighborhood or family, whatever it is, or on a big scale. Like some people have it on a big scale, right? Doesn't matter. Being faithful to what the Lord calls you to. He said, the centrality of witness is this. To be ready to give courageous and faithful witness to the truth of the gospel, to the words and the works of Jesus in an unbelieving and an increasingly hostile world. That's what it means to become a conqueror. And then he quotes the book of Revelation when the martyrs, those who shed their blood for Christ, the incense is going up in the temple of God and they're being celebrated for their life. And it says, what does it say? It says, how did they conquer? Right? It said, and they conquered him, that is Satan, their enemy, by the blood of the lamb, through baptism, through sacraments, right? Through the blood of the lamb applied to their life and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even unto death. Think about that. Nice. It's possible, friends, to love yourself in such a way that you lose your life for eternity. And Jesus doesn't want that to happen to you. Right. And if you trust him and go all in, 
he will show you and he'll give you the power to be everything you were meant to be. That's a beautiful way for us to end. Peter, this has been amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and let's pray for that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's, let's pray that we Amen. all receive that power, that power to stand courageously with our Lord and with the truth and be a light to the world. Do, right. do you have a book that you wanted to yeah. tell us about? And my wife and I just wrote this book. Um, Scott Hahn asked us, and the, the folks at his publishing company um, asked us to write it at the Emmaus Road. It's called Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ-Centered Marriage. When he they first asked me, sent us an email, I said, no, probably just because of time. But I thought, I don't, I don't think I'm an expert at this. You know what I mean? It's just like being a dad, putting my foot in a husband. I failed. I've had successes. And, I, and then I told him that. And he said, well, no, we just want, because I said, there's good marriage books out there already. And there's lots of experts who say all the right stuff. And he said, we want you to tell your story. I said, if I can be transparent, here's what I'm going to do. If I can be transparent in the book, we want to write a simple book that's not long, but it's telling the truth about what worked and what didn't work, how we succeeded, how we failed, what we brought into our marriages, our own backgrounds, our own pain and struggles from family life, you know? And then I said, we have to, it has to be short enough that men might read it. Because <laughs> yeah, men yeah, don't right. read marriage books, okay? Amen. Don't read thick marriage books. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? right. And so there's awesome. a lot of pictures in here that they can color. No, I'm just kidding. There's a lot of people. And and I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a handful to hand out to yeah. the people. And there's little, there's little in the there's just each chapter has just a couple questions. You can sit down with your nice. wife. And we're being real in this book. So I think you'll find it somewhat interesting. Good. And it's not like a teachy teachy book, you know, yes. it's more yes. of a sharing book. And then there's there's each chapter has a couple questions. You sit down with your wife. And one of the key things to fight the battle, you guys, this is ground zero. This is why we did it. Because Mary said, and she's totally right, Our Lady, the fundamental, the final battle is going to be over the family between yep. Christ and the Antichrist. And the one of the great things we have to do is just strengthen family, strengthen yep. marriage. That's it. That's It's right. huge. It's a huge contribution to the kingdom to do right. that. And men can do it if they go all out. Just get on your face before God and start begging him and just say, Lord, I'm a, you know, I'm weak, a broken man, but use me, heal my marriage, heal me. I'm in, let's go. I want to be in this and he'll lead you. He'll help you. Peter, awesome. what's, what's a good website people can go to, to get more information on you, your books and everything else. You've uh, renewalministries.net, renewalministries.net. And we'll put a link go. to the book too, in the description. Yeah. Everything so. will be in the description in the summary. Yeah. 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 And if they ever just, they could also just like uh, Google my name or Google you or go to YouTube. We, I, I forgot to tell you, we do these videos like every two weeks. I do one. Ralph does one every other week. We rotate nice. Ralph Martin nice. and we're trying to talk about this very stuff nice. and we do it, you know, in short windows of time. So yeah, you know. I've watched them. They're really good. Yeah. So they're great, people. You, can Google, yeah. you can Google Peter's name and you'll find him right away. All right. All right let's close with a prayer in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. We pray for an outpouring of the Holy spirit, especially, especially on our guides, our spiritual leaders. Let them be an inspiration to all of us to bring the light of truth to the world. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Peter, thank Thanks. you so much. Great to have you on, Thanks, brother. Thanks, Peter. Oh, it awesome. no, it's a privilege to be with you guys, to run the race. Thanks. Thanks.